Hi, this is Jeffrey Aaron, and welcome to today's Flying Talkers. Yesterday on Sunday, October 3rd, 2021, just nine days before a pared-down International Air Transport Association IATA World Cargo Symposium, WCS opens in Dublin on October 12th. The really big IATA show, the 77th IATA Annual General Meeting, AGM, opened for business in Boston. And it runs through October the 5th. Can you believe it? Scheduled on October the 5th for the first time in recent memory, IATA includes an air cargo panel at its passenger AGM titled What's Next for Air Cargo after its heroic performance in the COVID-19 crisis? The panel includes Brandon Freed, Executive Director of the Air Forwarders Association, Jessica Tyler, President of American Airlines Cargo, Don Colloran, Chief Executive Officer of FedEx Express, and last, and by no means least, by any measure, the Honorable Akbar Al-Bakr, Chief Executive Officer of Qatar Airways. Now, the optics for this stage meeting look good as Air Cargo gets the airline passenger business as captive audience. They're there laid out on the half shell right in front of this group of people at the year's biggest gathering for IATA. We hope the participants use their hour of fame less to take a bow and more to advance air cargo wisely. What emerges from this meeting could impact thinking amongst the passenger side of the airline business for some time to come. One person that always tells it like it is, Albacher is the most outspoken, in some quarters the most revered and trusted airline executive in the world today. So will air cargo catch lightning in a bottle tomorrow, next Tuesday, however you want to count it, on October the 5th? Well, never say never, but observe that it might have been helpful to include the head of IATA Cargo on that panel. Nobody asked us, but here we pose some questions again. We asked the same, more or less these same questions when CNS heralded the participation of the DG of IATA, Willie Walsh. We asked these questions a couple of weeks ago, and as far as I'm concerned, haven't heard much of an answer to them. How important is air cargo to IATA? I get it about bringing some people on a panel, but we'd like to know what's going to change. What kind of concrete progress are you looking for out of this group and what will change? There's so many expert people in the world that can talk about cargo. So we would think that this kind of conversation could be going on all the time. So we'd like to know in more precise terms, how important is air cargo to IATA? And what cargo issues will be discussed, for example, at the next IATA Board of Governors meeting? Regarding negotiating power with the airlines, many forwarders say they're worse off today than they were 10 years ago. Is this correct? What happened to the IATA-FIATA partnership created and signed in Dublin 2016 that was supposed to change everything and today in 2021 appears dead in the water? I delivered the keynote address at that event. All the signatories from IATA were there. We're just wondering why this thing was allowed to lay fallow and then finally just disappear. 
with exceptions like the aforementioned Qatar Airways that has seriously addressed everything from industrial relations and sustainability to preservation programs, elsewhere an aura of wealth, consumption, luxury, and even lack of consideration has been the hallmark of many airlines at this point in the 21st century. Obviously, the time has come for operating with consciousness and total respect for society and environment. What is or will IATA be doing to show the way? Well, good luck tomorrow, Air Cargo, at Boston, Tuesday, October 5th. This is Jeffrey Air. Today's Flying Talkers is brought to you by Kali Logistics. When it comes to keeping things moving, it's Kali, by golly. The global air cargo industry is a sunrise sector. You don't believe that, look out at the ramp. There are thousands of airplanes carrying nothing but air cargo these days where in past years it was in the belly or maybe it wasn't there at all. The volume of air cargo being moved ever-increasing and airports are finding it difficult to keep pace with expansion in terms of infrastructure, workforce, and level of automation. An end-to-end web-based air freight software or an air cargo management system can assist cargo terminal operators to address these issues. At Kali Logistics Solutions, we understand these issues well and constantly strive to provide solutions that can address these problems, promising improvement and efficiency of the operation, as well as increasing bottom line results. Kali Logistics Solutions suite of air freight software solutions to address the challenges of air cargo stakeholders have stemmed from working alongside leading airports, including Atlanta, Hartsfield-Jackson International Airport, and other locations around the world, gaining in-depth understanding of the challenges and opportunities that define the air cargo domain. Kali's flagship air cargo management system provides state-of-the-art technology for modernization and streamlining of air cargo operations that could assist all stakeholders in overcoming the challenges. Yes, today in 2021, it's Kali by Golly. Contact KaliLogisticsSolutions.com and get the entire story. That's Kali Logistics Solutions. Kali by golly. Well, we know what Air Canada is doing for cargo. They're putting on freighters. That's up in the sky. On the ground, of course, now comes news that giant reefer is about to rise at YYZ in Toronto for Air Canada cargo. Yes, they're getting ready to receive the first of eight 767 all-cargo freighters they're converting. The first one comes in quarter four this year in a landmark move as the only major North American combination carrier in the past two decades to go long and deep 
Matthew Casey, Senior Director, Global Sales and Revenue Optimization at Air Canada Cargo, is very optimistic. He says, now we're underway building a new state-of-the-art cold chain facility in Greater Toronto Airport's Authority, Toronto Airport, as the next logical step. And it'll be a 30,000 square foot facility that fully aligns with the rollout of our initial freighter network, which will serve strong, perishable markets. Investing in our cold chain handling capabilities is a critical part of our strategy and expansion plans. Starting in early 2022, the first freighter will fly primarily out of Toronto and operate to Miami, Quito, Quito, Lima, Mexico City, and Guadalajara, with additional cities like Madrid and Frankfurt, Halifax and St. John's connecting to the freighter network when the second aircraft arrives in 2022. Oh boy. Matthew goes on to say, we have made many changes and improvements for our pharmaceutical and perishable handling solutions in recent years, many driven by the International Air Transport Association's CEIV pharma certification process, but also driven by working with our customers to understand their specific requirements. 2020, as example, our operations team also undertook a sweeping preparatory in 2020, our operations team also undertook a sweeping preparatory exercise to ensure we met the criteria for transporting COVID-19 vaccines. Now we're going even deeper in our effort to significantly improve our overall offering to all forwarders who specialize in cold chain shipments. So that's Matthew Casey about the doings up north here of New York in Canada. It's certainly going to impact the world. Good going, Air Canada Cargo. Jens Romer, chair of the working group C, WGS of FIATA is a person on the go. Jens and I checked the first part of this interview from his parents' home in Hamburg, Germany, his hometown, during a short break. The rest was done while he was traveling back to Antwerp, where he lives and works. Much earlier in 1982, a hard trot Hamburg decided to bank on the promising 21-year-old and open its doors to him. He still works at hard trot in 2021, Next year will be his 40 years jubilee. In 1985, Jens packed his bags and worked outside of Hamburg, Frankfurt first, and then a couple of years later, leave the capsule if you dare, Singapore, Malaysia, Philippines, Thailand, Indonesia, and Vietnam. Until 9-11, wow, meant windows on the world. Surely, Romer didn't miss any of that. In 2000, he returned and settled in Antwerp with functions spanning all over Europe. In the 15 years activity in Asia, Jens also had a pivotal role in local associations with important international functions. In the 90s, he became deputy chairman of the Singapore Association with responsibility in the ASEAN 
regional bodies and also teaching the local institute for technical education. Jens' engagement with the Belgian Freight Forwarders Association is now 20 years old. This led to Fiat, where he was elected to the extended board in 2013, the same year taking over as chair of WGS. Here's a recap of the long and interesting conversation our man Marco Sorghetti had with Jens Rome. We asked him as a well-traveled professional executive, you lived in Europe, the Far East, where are you homesick for? Or was it family reasons you decided to return back to Europe? Jens said, I wasn't really homesick. Wherever you are in the world, there's always something nice to enjoy and being a social person, I love cultures. I enjoy the religions, the food. This is the big gift. A bit sad now that we can't travel much. Staying abroad is amazing how close you get to other cultures. I still have many friends in Singapore. Singapore was home for me for 13 years. All three of our kids were born in Singapore. Antwerp is home now, and that's a place where I live comfortably, but my postings have been a lengthier period, thus giving me time to really get to know and appreciate places and cultures. I may retire in Antwerp, but never say never. So we're wondering, has the pandemic changed your approach in business during and after the pandemic professionally in your private life? I appreciate social contacts and meetings, been a terrible period. Not being able to socialize is really hard for me. I should, however, not complain too much as I enjoyed a reasonably high threshold for managing crisis. Change when it comes to business, the effect on the supply chain is what means change. As freight forwarders did a lot to keep it up and running, looking at the disrupted supply chain, the pandemic accelerated digitization, obviously. Container bookings, for example, now expect this online principle. It should be more efficient, but the environment is less proactive. Disruptions and changes happen constantly, and follow-up emails and phone calls have exploded. Albeit not so efficient, emails have become the main business tool more than ever. With shipping lines getting the right person on the phone, it's difficult. Look, I'm proud of our team always ready to go the extra mile for our customer, yet the dichotomy in delivering a so-so product, not perfectly satisfied, you cannot get better service. Without you, it would be even worse. We've tried to support our customers in a moment of uncertainty, when their confidence was waning. Look at the human side. People feel the frustration. Despite the support from the hierarchy, we can only hope our employees count on their stamina. Even with the boost in digitization, we need to consider and respect the human capital, which is essential. In my private life, I have the privilege of an understanding environment. Much of the stress at work was mitigated when I resorted to my family. As I speak, my wife is driving and I can take your questions. This is a real help. So we're wondering, what has waterborne transport? such as it is shown during the pandemic. We've read many upsetting headlines concerning concerning maritime transport, blank sailings, shortage of containers, rolling of boxes, sailings becoming almost unreliable. Do you think this is just due to the pandemic or is it the extension of a tendency that started earlier on? And if so, why? Yen said, no one should be surprised for the situation we've lived. If shipping lines ask for a higher price now, there's nothing to complain about. It's a free market. 
My shareholders expect me to maximize my profits, and the shipping lines are doing the same. We are all in the same boat. We must all face the same market with its ups and downs. But how could we have allowed this market to develop itself in this manner? Above all, the regulators, the FMC, the EU, the Chinese institutions, all have been witnessing nine major shipping lines. An already limited number organizing themselves in three alliances. Now there are only three sticks to choose from. The wind of mergers and acquisitions has been blowing at full force for years, and nothing was done, or could be done, to change. This is how we're left with just half the landscape we had before. Liners can legally arrange and adjust their sailings within the agreements they have been approved. That question. On whether this adjustment is made to meet the market demand or falls short of doing so is open, with no effective answer so far. With bigger and bigger vessels, the market is anyway restricted. On EU Far East, some nine vessels should meet the requirements of how many hundreds of thousands of customers? On the other hand, this is not a cheap ride. You need a big investment if you wish to come into this trade. Nobody can enter the market now, as the investment is too big for newcomers. Ports go out of their way to get big vessels, as these big numbers keep going. Vessels became bigger and bigger. It seemed to make sense back then, but the land side couldn't meet the challenge. And higher peaks, the land side cannot cope. There are not enough drivers and chassis. We are all working. At limit, if anything goes wrong, e.g., the pandemic, as example, well, that is was the tick that made the system collapse. Congestion was bound to happen. One cannot be surprised. Still, I honestly do not think we could have predicted the pandemic outbreak and the consumers' behavior that has triggered. The tsunami came onto everyone in the business, with few exceptions. The shrinking number. And dimension of the shipments arrived at a moment when ships were the longest ever. Sailings and callings were shrinking in favor of the containment of costs. The impact on the frequency of service was then abnormal, and there were months of total bewilderment in the market. Now we're on the other side of the hill with containers and ships stuck in congestion. We try to run services despite some 20% capacity drops. Forwarders. Can pave the way to new agreements, but they cannot be expected to absorb any kind of pain without comments. Wow, that's some comment, I would say, and a comment to take to heart. We'll have more after this. Flying Talkers podcast brought to you today by your friends at PayCargo, the better way to pay and to save time and money. You see, PayCargo has a better idea. By simplifying the payment process to more than three thousand vendors, cargo moves faster. PayCargo saves you time and money by expediting important data and funds to ensure rapid release of your cargo. Maybe best of all, you get the time to build your business, assured that the Pay Cargo team is with you, providing trackable, tangible results every step of the way. So why wonder why most shipments in the Pay Cargo system get released in as little as one hour? Go to www.paycargo.com and explore a whole new way to pay and get paid. 
PayCargo offers flexible payment options and also available credit lines. And as the number one online platform in the world for cargo payments, www.paycargo.com can offer you a level of service, financial expertise, and connectivity that makes it easy to ship, click, and pay. So go to www.paycargo.com and get the rest of the story. Discover how PayCargo simplifies a better way to pay and get paid. And tell them Flying Talkers sent you. That's www.paycargo.com. Great people to do business with. Well, now we shift gears a bit and we wonder, what are you looking forward to in business and personal things as restrictions ease and COVID finally recedes? Have you planned a business trip? Will you travel again exclusively at some point or extensively? Well, Jan Romer says, all of a sudden, I have no restrictions, no obligations. When that happens, I'll pack the car with some vitals and drive. Just drive to each and every friend and relative I have not been able to meet in the past two years. I'm more than sure that my wife and children would be willing to come with me and share the same feeling. I'm sorry for the airplane, but I need to feel free to drive where and when I want without any sort of restriction right now. Am I daydreaming? We wonder, are you tired of Zoom, webinar, web-driven contact, or will you make that medium a go-to form in the future? Let me be short and direct on this one. Zoom and other virtual paraphernalia have been good, even precious, and will remain an asset. No idea where we would be today if we had no support on this side, but nothing, repeat, nothing can replace personal contacts. I think we shall slowly come back to that, perhaps less frequently. As I said before, I'm a deeply social person. You cannot fight your own nature. Okay. What surprised you? I was surprised that most of us adapted to a new situation with relatively few disruptions. IT infrastructure was more robust and people more resilient than we had thought. Whatever we do next, I do not think this experience will be easily or soon forgotten. We learned how important our collective health is and how fragile our certainties are. Public health is serious business and we need to address it conveniently. We know you've had considerable experience in motivating your staff. What would you tell a young woman to persuade her to enter the transport and logistic sector in light of your career experience? Is there any special feature that makes logistics appealing for a young lady in your view? Jens Romer said, I've had so many wonderful female colleagues with really inspiring personalities. Historically, logistics had never been for males only. In particular, in the 70s and 80s, many women came to fairly high places in freight forwarding. In 
Asia, there have always been more women, e.g. in the Philippines, the scene is nearly only for women, even today. This being said, in recent times, women have been perhaps attracted by other areas, finance, insurance, learning. Perhaps it has to do with the relatively higher salaries in finance and insurance, with a more flexible employment of time. Cleacat is proficiently managed by Nicolette Vanderjack, and that's a good example. I try to be as close as possible to people regardless of hierarchy and gender. It makes no differentiation. All of this being said, logistics is the ideal arena for women where their organizational skills can shine in the proper light. Well, that was great to hear from Jens Romer, and we thank him so much for his time. And we thank Marco Sorghetti for gathering the story. This is Jeffrey Aaron. That's it for our presentation today, and thanks for joining us. Thanks for your time, this time, until next time. This is Jeffrey saying, keep them flying, air cargo. And good night, Joe, wherever you are.